feeling this here. Yeah, son, you feel it, man. Roll up, son. You gotta just do it, yo. Yeah, man. Yo, roll up, man. It's a different channel, son. Roll up, on, man. Roll up, watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. It's all good. Roll up, all good, baby, in every hood, son. Roll up, yeah. CNN, Network Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo, crime late. Catch more beef than Scarface. This call is now being recorded. Yo. Yo. Welcome back to the Channel 10 Podcast. We're in the building. Got a lot of new content up. Uh, Check out Channel10Podcast.com. Got some articles up there now in addition to these lovely audio recordings that we present you with. Also, if you want to give us some support, uh, click on some of the Amazon uh, advertisement sale before you buy anything from Amazon and order something and we get a small commission at no cost to you Um, so now that that business is taken care of shout out to all the listeners and everything and we'll just get into it and um, off air me and Sengar we were just talking about uh, what are some of the most hip-hop moments that you've ever had in your life? <laughs> and uh, we have some pretty interesting stories. So um, I guess we'll get it started with you. Um, what was, uh, well, I guess, tell the listeners about the story that you were just telling me. All right. Well, um, before it was called, uh, what was it called now, Club? Uh... Oh, Paparazzi. Yeah, Club Paparazzi. I'm at the Sonar. Um, in Baltimore, it was where like a lot of a lot of the underground artists came uh, came to. And um, some years ago, I think around the time of Fishgale, Ghostface came on a little tour, and uh, he had uh, Trife the God from his Theodore Unit clique and Killer Priest with him. And um, it was kind of a bad show for Ghostface. <laughs> because uh, the, the sound system at Sonar was always fucked up, and they have the same sound system to this day. Yeah. And anyway, um, and the crowd, you know, Ghost, Ghost wasn't really feeling the crowd, and so after maybe like maybe 35, 40 minutes for real, or like you know, performing, he gets off. He tells he tells people that he's leaving, so the crowd gets mad, and he just go he just goes off the stage or whatever, goes to the back. And then people kind of start clearing out after that. And then a whole bunch of, like, a fucking mob of women just jump on the stage and go right into the back. And they never come back out. <laughs> um, and then so next thing I know, I notice that Tripe the Guard is still kind of standing on stage or whatever like that. And he was kind of, like, by himself. Like, it seemed like no one really didn't pay much attention to him. So I go up to him. Oh yeah, Trike God, what's up, man? You know, what's going on? So we rapping a little bit. I'm asking him about his album, you know, having like a little bit, bit back and forth about what he wants to do with his album. He was telling me how he was working on it. And he seemed really appreciative that I mentioned the uh, the project that him and Ghostface came out with that I guess no one really paid much attention to, but was actually really good. Yeah. And then while that was going on, um, because I knew that Killer Priest was like around, but of course Killer Priest was getting some attention though, and um, and he was like really, really drunk. And the thing about it was, um, he was like really hobbling, like back and forth across stage and shit when Ghostface was performing. And 
uh, my brother was uh, trying to get him, you know, he would kept, he would kept asking him what today's mathematics was. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, like, Killer Priest just kind of looked at him and he was crazy. He was like, huh? <laughs> and so anyway, um, for some reason, my brother, my brother gets to kill a priest, and then so he brings him over, kind of sort of, and so we just kind of like all talking. And, and I'm like, yeah, kill a priest, what's up, man? And he just goes, ah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's a, that's my conversation with kill a priest. <laughs> Have you met him for real? Oh, man. <laughs> that sounds like a Master P ad lib. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's some real hip-hop type stuff, man. Like, <laughs> you know, just having a conversation with Trife the God and Killer Priest <laughs> at the end of a concert. Man. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and like I was saying before, one of my most hip-hop moments was um, I used to be out in Philly a lot. And so um, one day I'm in Philly and I'm leaving where I was at around, uh, you know, University City, Drexel area and all of that. So I hop on the train, and, you know, I had on my backpack and my headphones looking like a real backpack rapper on the train and all that. So uh, this random dude, he comes up to me, and he's like, yo, you rap. You look like you rap. And I was like, well, yeah, I rap. And then he just started spitting bars to me. <laughs> like... <laughs> He just started rapping to me until I got to my stop at the China bus. And I was just like, yo, that shit was dope. But this is my stop. And he was just like, you know, good look or whatever. And we dapped it up and went our separate ways. And, uh, and how, how long did it take for you to get to your stop? Ah, uh, man, it must have been a good 20 minutes. All right, so it's kind of a ways. Yeah, he was rapping for a minute, but you know, them Philly dudes, they got bars. <laughs> yeah, I can, uh, that's what, uh, that's what Cassidy said. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of the most, uh, hip hop, hip hop cities ever. I think another, another one of my hip hop moments I was saying was, um, uh, one time I was in Brooklyn, I was at this spot called Sputnik, and, um, just having a drink, and I think it might have been, I think it was like a terminology album release or something like that, and matter of fact, um, Lil Fame from MOP was there, I remember, terminology was there, and I want to say maybe Static Selector was there, but I'm not sure. It was a super hip-hop. Yeah, super hip-hop. <laughs> and so afterwards, everybody cleared out. DJ Premier wasn't there from, you know, what I can remember. We did not see DJ Premier there. But, you know, we didn't have some beers until, you know, real late. And then, you know, we finally decided to call it quits. So, you know, we leave. And standing on the corner is none other than DJ Premier. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just standing there talking to some dudes, probably about some hip-hop type stuff. And I'm just sitting there thinking, man, this is like something out of a 90s hip-hop story or something like that. Like, you just walk out of the building and DJ Premier is there in the corner. So, you know, he was in the midst of his conversation, but, you know, I just walked up and I said, you know, what's up and all of that. You know, dapped him up and kept him moving. Hip-hop. <laughs> mm. You know, you know, um, 
Have you have you ever had um have you ever like ran into uh at the Cat Madonna on the streets of Baltimore? You know what's crazy? I have not ever ran into him on the streets of Baltimore. I've ran into people that know him. I've seen him in places in D.C. actually, but never in Baltimore. That's the thing, yeah, because, uh, you know, I've, I've ran into many people, and I'm pretty sure between us, they're damn near probably the same people. Um, and they all, they've all seen him, whether, you know, they're getting a hat three in the morning or they've seen him on dorm or something like that. And I'm, I'm kind of surprised that we've never seen him just walking down the street. Yeah, and, you know, you know, apparently he was here for a very long time, and, you know, doing this thing, and I've been to, I've been to like, a matter of fact, once I went to a studio in PG County, and they said Cap Donna was there all the time, and, you know, places in D.C. and stuff. I've, I've seen him when he's like, you know, on a flyer and stuff like that, but never just at a random, um, never just a random occurrence. Hmm. But, you know, I'm pretty sure that we've seen, um, we've seen Jay Electronica. We probably just didn't know, but, I'm pretty sure we probably ran to him, like, around uh, the Penn North area. Oh, matter of fact, I told you my J Electronica story, right? Well, uh, was this at Rock the Bells? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm at Rock the Bells uh, for the listeners. I was um, I was backstage at Rock the Bells, and I'm trying to think. I was, like, in the back near the dress, like, like near the dressing rooms and stuff, and I think, we were trying to get up with Nas, and so I'm standing there. I'm standing. I forgot who all I was standing next to, but I was standing next to like two famous people, and this random dude with a crown on and a scepter, <laughs> and he was like kind of goofy and clowny. And I'm trying, to, and like I was just sitting there, like, yo, who is this annoying dude right here? And so, you know, we all just stand in the hall for some reason. Why, I don't remember. And most death walks by. And so, you know, he just got off stage or whatever. He was all sweaty and stuff. Like, he just played full-court basketball for an hour. And so, you know, I dapped up most death. And um, he just kept it moving. And he went into some uh, dressing room that was full of women and <laughs> closed the door. <laughs> and so... um yeah, I'm standing next to this guy, and then eventually, you know, we left or whatever, and I was just, and like the whole time, I'm sitting there thinking, who is this clown-ass dude with the scepter and everything like that? And maybe like a couple of days, or maybe even longer than that later, I realized I was standing next to Jay Electronica the whole time. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming he doesn't look like, he doesn't look like his pictures kind of sort of. Well, I think it was before his pictures were really out there like that. So Around what year was the... Um, this might have been, like, 2008. Okay, yeah, because I, cause I, I got a hold of them, like, around, two thousand, like, late 2007, kind of before I graduated. Yeah, 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 it was around that time, so, um, yeah, it was, like, 2008, and I was like, damn, that was Jay Electronica the whole time, I was standing next to him. He was cracking jokes and stuff, and I was thinking, who is this clown-ass dude? <laughs> and, you know, it was the guard, the electronica. Mm. That's what's up, right? You, you remember the, um, the, uh, the South, <laughs> the, uh, the Solomon Child incident? Uh, 
uh, weren't there multiple Solomon Childs incidents? Well, there were, but the uh, I think the infamous one at the RZA concert and at the yeah. 9.30 club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I do vaguely remember that. <laughs> yeah, that shit was, that was crazy. That, that, that was really ridiculous, but, um, um, yeah, and you know, you know, I, I always think for some reason, like, I feel like something that has, that has to be like, like the most ultimate, like, hip hop turntablistic thing you could ever do, it has to involve copyright. Mm. I don't know why, but I just feel like he's like one of like the epitomes of like hip hop. And I just picture him with like a, an SP 1200 in his bag, in his book bag with his, Kobe, the Kobe metal headphones with like a cassette, and then he has like an MPC in his left hand and like Technic 1200s in his right hand. That's all he ever does. Looking like Q2. You talking about copyright, right? Yeah, copyright. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, he. Um, I think he lives in Maryland now. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, he does. He he kind of looked like by you kind at one point, right? Yeah, yeah. He was living in um, Silver Spring. Um. And it's funny because, like, my friend, he used to, like, kind of talk to him a little bit about various things. But, you know, my friend, he wasn't really too much into uh, that type of hip-hop. But they just happened to be from, like, the same uh, city. But um, <clears throat> so he wasn't too much interested in talking to copyright. But, yeah, I think he's living out there with, uh, you know, his wife and kids and all that other type of stuff. And I don't know, maybe he has a regular job now or maybe he's, you know, Still doing this thing with the music, but we're still doing this thing with the music. Yeah, I mean, but you know how like some people they you know had a music and then have regular jobs as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like um, Jakarta Motormouth does that. Yeah. Um, he, I think copyright came out with an album like like early this year or like late last year or whatever like that, and um, there was a I mean video and it had him and Jakarta Motormouth on it, and. I swear, I think this was my first time ever seeing like uh, like a clear picture of Jakarta Motormouth and him actually moving. Because <laughs> I've never really seen him before. Only um, from his his God vs Satan um, album cover. Um, that's taking it back. Yeah, man. I, I remember like I, I made a pillage to Best Buy, my security, my security, to get that damn album. And mind you, I was coming from uh, Goodwill where I got tape that so a tape that so I could sample some, some classical, get some Mozart cassettes that I had. <laughs> that's, that's real hip hop right there. Yeah. Have uh, you, uh, have you uh, so how many like what, what pillages have you made like like what like what's the ultimate pillage you you've made to like uh, like a I don't know like a Sam Goody from back in the day for like that one album. That you just had to have. Um, this was uh, I. I can tell you my most disappointing moment at a Sam Goody ever. I was like in middle school, and this was around the time when uh, Eminem came out, and I wanted that album so bad. I think it was the first one, and so I went to um, and so um, I was at Towson Mall with my mother, and. The Sam Goody was in the um, basement or whatever. Well, you know, the bottom floor. Yeah. So we go down to the Sam Goody, 
and like I just knew I was gonna get this album. I was so happy, and so I have it in my hand, and then the guy who is the salesperson tells my mother, I don't know if you would want him to have that, because, you know, the lyrics are very questionable and offensive and blah, 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 and I think the guy was gay, and, you know, maybe he took offense to some of Eminem's lyrics or something, and this is probably why he was so adamant, because eventually my mother agreed to get me the edited version and he convinced her not to even let me get that. God damn. So um so that whole era you know, until the internet came and I was able to get it by um other means, I I missed out on the whole Slim Shady LP during the time when it came out, and that's always been one of my hip-hop disappointments and one of my biggest um, Sam Goody disappointments, I guess, as well. Yeah, I uh, I vaguely remember you, you telling me about that because, um, yeah, I remember that because, yeah, because uh, Eminem really didn't, like, start, you, you you didn't start mentioning him until you were able to, uh, to find different ways to, to get the Marshall Mathers LP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, the Marshall Mathers LP, I bought that. I bought that from, I think I bought that from Barnes & Noble in Towson. And this is back when, um, you know, Barnes & Noble had their little music section and everything was so overpriced and, you know, that album might have been like twenty something dollars and which was a lot of money for me at the time, but it was like I just have to get this album right now. So I just bought it. Hmm. Yeah. I mean I I kinda had a the sim a similar thing with the uh with the Bobby Digital album. Mm. When um I went to uh, FYE in my dorm and um my mother she she took me there to get it and for some reason, they had, you know, this is like, we're, we're talking like, what, 2001, so anything that was new, they had, you know, slewed, like, a whole bunch of them. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, it's funny to think that if I had a store, there would be, like, you know, fucking, like, 50, 60 RZA CDs just right, just waiting, right there, waiting for you to get. <laughs> and, um, I got it, and I realized that there were no, um, unedited versions. And so I was kind of stalling, like, going, like, damn it, through the whole slew of RZA CD to see if I can find one. And then the guy was like, yeah, if you're looking for an, un- an unedited version, you're not going to get them because for some reason they only ship the edited versions to us. And then so, you know, at this time, um, there was another, it was FYE and some other CD store um, in my dorm. And so I was trying to get her to go to the other one, but she wouldn't. And she just said, you need to get that edited version because, because, you know, of course she knew about Wu-Tang and she didn't want to hear any of that, that 36 Chambers type stuff you told me. So <laughs> I, I had to go with that. And it's weird because to this day, I, um, I really wish I had the, um, the edited version because it sounds kind of weird hearing it unedited. That's funny. I always wonder why you had the edited version. <laughs> yeah, man, it's a... Uh, I mean, but like actually, I went back and listened to it like three three weeks ago, and like you know, like um, like throw your flag on certain songs like that. I really can't listen to them because they don't sound right. Mm. With the cursing in it. <laughs> that that reminds me. Um, 
you know, I think a little while ago I was thinking about what are some of the best edited versions of hip-hop. And I think Mob Deep has some of the best ones. Like, I think Quiet Storm and um, Keep It Thorough, a lot mm-hmm. of times I enjoy listening to the edited versions of those more than the unedited. And another song like that is um, Boom by Royce Five Nine. Because mm-hmm. the way uh, DJ Premier scratches in the edits and it just fits so perfectly with the song. It's like an art to it. Yeah, and um, I think, uh, didn't Warren Epstein, didn't they, uh, they, they, talk, they mentioned, I think, um, the Quiet Storm edit. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think they did. And um and then they, and they talked about Biggie and how he would like literally like he he would edit his own stuff and he did it like in, in kind of like a creative way. Yeah, because back in the day, like I think maybe it wasn't until like the mid two thousands when um until people started um like actually re-recording verses that were edited. Or, you know, changing up a word in the lyrics or something like that. And that always tripped me out because, you know, if you're going to go and do all that, why not just say the edited one um, just straight off the bat? Especially if, you know, it's like, like what, like if whatever vulgarity you had in it isn't that central to getting your point across. Man, we talking about hip hop, man. But vulgarity is the center of everything. <laughs> hey, you just got to, you got to say it. Yeah, that's true. But, but I mean, like the but the worst edit though was um was cream. That's just a horrible edit. <laughs> like um, and inspected that verse. Yeah. Oh man, I, I can't even think of like the line, but you you know what I'm talking about when like he when he kind of like punches in or whatever like that. Yeah. Oh man, it is, it is so like it's so like all kilter and it's not exactly on beat. <laughs> and at least not to me. You gotta do what you gotta do, I guess. But um, recently, I, I guess because you know, maybe because I'm older, or maybe because it's not that much of an issue. You know, you really don't hear too much about song edits and edited versions, but. I guess one of the big controversies um, when it comes to that type of thing recently was um, Kanye West at the Billboard Music Awards. Apparently, he did his song um, All Day, and they edited out like a like whole verses from it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, I thought that was pretty interesting. Like, I mean, he does say the word nigga after uh, almost every line, <laughs> but. Um, do you really have to edit out his whole verse for the, you know, the uh, TV performance? I mean, well, I rem- I think you were telling me that it's um it's like a, it's alleged that he didn't um supposedly he didn't do a sound check. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they and, really didn't know. Yeah, and, and we know how we know what Kanye is capable of doing at award shows. So I mean, if I were if I was I don't know the uh. You know those censorship, those censorship type people. I'll probably do the same thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's kind of like um, but see, that's the thing. Like with award shows, like I'm assuming they don't have like a like a um, um, those like seven second things. Um, we call them. Oh yeah, the uh, tape um, delay. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the delays, like, you know, for, like, you know, we've talked, you know, for a course of years about Morning Joe and how they have these delays because, you know, they say some crazy shit sometimes and they got to edit it. Yeah. Um, and you would think of for all places that would have it for an award show, especially when you have these high-profile rappers who say crazy shit and they are crazy anyway. But you know what I think? I think um, it might be a cultural thing. Like, maybe they do have a delay, but because the person who's doing the editing and just the general people who are running it might not feel comfortable with uh, the black ghetto vernacular, (laughs) so they figured that they could be saying something completely vulgar but they wouldn't even know what they were talking about and get hit with some type of suit later, so they just play it safe and edit the whole thing out. Well, yeah, that's that's a good point because um, I know, like, sometimes me and you, we've, we've talked about, like, certain songs that we hear on the radio, and they'll edit, like, a certain like certain parts out, and it's not really bad, but they just don't really know what they're trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, I guess they just want to play it safe because, I mean, especially nowadays and, you know, I guess with the way that it it seems like new terms and new slang and everything, you know, is being created at an increasingly rapid pace because just in the past few years, I mean, we have the word thought, which is now, you know, it could almost be a dictionary term now. Meaning, you know, that hole over there. But, you know, three, four years ago, that wasn't even a word. Mm-hmm. Or like how Boosie brought Ratchet into the consciousness of, uh, you know, mainstream uh, society. And now everybody uses it. So, but like, you know, in the beginning, you know, Ratchet also means like a gun or a tool. Or like an actual tool, so it's like if you're somebody who's doing the editing and you're not up on hip hop, and somebody's talking about a ratchet, you don't know if they're talking about a gun, you don't know if they're talking about a ratchet to fix your car, or you don't know if they're talking about a turn up situation, and then you yeah. don't, might not know what a turn up situation is. <laughs> you, yeah, you know the first time because um, I heard I heard the terms thought and ratchet kind of around the same time, mm-hmm. but I know a ratchet. Um, the first time I remember the first time I heard it, it was at some type of get together at someone's place when I was doing college, and you know I'm like, because I didn't understand it, and I was I was like I was sitting there like thinking about it, and someone said like what's what's wrong? I'm like I don't understand what I, I said I don't understand what you just said, and I said and she was like what do you mean? I'm like well you just said that someone was acting ratchet, and then of course you know I thought about a gun. I'm like are you? Are you trying to say someone acted like a gun? Like, what the fuck are you talking about right now? You know, I was half drunk, too, so I did not understand. And so they had to, like, it was like three people. They had to explain to me the term ratchet. And it took me a while to really understand it because it, it's so awkward to me, like, to hear it that way. Because I've heard it, you know, in, in different terms for I don't know how many years. Yeah, so that was interesting. First, um, I, I think the first time I heard it was, um, I, say it was I think it was a Hurricane Chris song. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah. It was either him or Boosie. I don't know. Like these uh, Baton Rouge guys, you 
know, sometimes that voice doesn't sound the same, but I think it was Hurricane Chris who had the song, Let's Get Ratchet, Let's Get Ratchet. Was that Hurricane Chris? Yeah, it sounds like it. I don't, I don't think Boosie could, could have to could make a song that fast. <laughs> but, but uh, Ratchet came from that, um, I guess that part of the world. And um, I think Hurricane Chris had, like, the song called Let's Get Ratchet, and I think Boosie had just been saying it a whole lot, and it caught on through him. So hmm. now Ratchet is just, it's just everywhere. <laughs> hmm. Well, I mean, I don't I don't know. I don't like that term, and I don't like, I don't like the term thought. I mean, like, thought just sounds totally silly to me. I mean, I used to... Um, I've gotten so accustomed to it that um, it doesn't bother me anymore. But at first, I found Ratchet kind of off-putting, I guess because it already meant something. Like, hip-hop already took this word and used it for something, and now you want to take it and use it for something else. But maybe I'm just being a real old man. <laughs> I mean, well, maybe, but then you guys, I mean, but if you're like really immersed in like a certain type of culture, then, you know, of course, I think you're going to, they're going to, you know, not want to see certain things change, or you're just going to be kind of awkward. I mean, it's going to be awkward anyway. Yeah, but you like, know, like I, don't know. I guess, I guess they were saying it in the south, and because you know the the music kind of reflects the area it's coming from. So, you know, coming from a more northeast standpoint, you know, you might hear it in one way, but you don't even know what necessarily is going on in these other places, and they might be flipping stuff their own type of way. So. I mean, well, like, is, is there, like, a term that, that you've actually, like, started using, using, that has come up within, like, the past, let's say, I don't know, like, uh, five years? Um, I mean, I guess I use that, but, I, I mean, I really don't, haven't had a reason to use it, but I can't necessarily see myself not using it. Um, let's see. But like it's really like it, it, because the thing is when I think of thought I always think of like what it stands for and so if someone says like that's a thought mm-hmm. then I, and then I just think like that makes no sense based on the acronym. Oh, okay, yeah. I see what you mean. Like because it means that hole over there. Yeah. I guess it's just like. Yeah, I see what you mean. I don't know. I guess it's, um, you know, it started off one way and then people started using it more widely and stuff like that. And then now, you know, they're using it for men and stuff too, like a male thought. I mean, yeah, I mean, but like, what, what happened to the days when you just called someone a hoe? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The simple days. Hey, man, everything has to change and evolve and keep moving. And then, you know, I guess, you know, it all starts from the youth. And, you know, I guess these uh, youth out here had to think of a way to say things that adults wouldn't necessarily know so that they could, um, you know, say what they want to say and still be vulgar, but, you know, still have it under the radar for a minute. I mean, yeah, but I mean, like, the the thing is, though, like, at least when we were coming up, like, the term, and I guess because we didn't really have internet, but the terms that we used, 
they were nothing more than, you know, they were really just like recycled terms that, you know, that were, you know, that have been around for so long that they just got recycled again. But now we're we're totally seeing like damn near brand new terms or terms that have been like in a specific area that were kind of brought into the mainstream. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really mad at it. I mean, at first, I guess one of the first um, experiences I had with that was, um, you know, my freshman year of college, my um, my roommate was from Atlanta. And something happened one day where the cops, like, came up in the alley and, like, were messing with him, um, the D.C. cops. They were messing with him and some people. And so he was, you know, telling me about how 12 was coming and all sorts of type of stuff. And I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. And I was like, 12? What's 12? And he's like, oh, you know, that's what we call the police in, uh, in Atlanta. You know, call him 12. And I was like, why do you call him 12? And I think he gave me an explanation, but I forgot what, <laughs> what it was. But now, you know, everywhere, all you hear is fuck 12 and all this other type of stuff. Shit, boy, I just learned something new. What's that? <laughs> I just learned something new, like what you just told me. I had no idea. Oh, you never heard anybody say fuck 12? No, I mean, no, I, I just keep, I mean, maybe I have, but I probably just never paid attention to it, but I thought people still called him 5 0. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> you older than me. I know, and for some reason, since it's five I'm thinking about Fifty Cent. I'm like, God damn. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the ways that they played off his name and called him a snitch after that Thug Quran or uh, Ghetto Quran uh, song he had. But yeah, matter of fact, now now that we're talking about it, um, another new term which I guess was popularized or you know brought to the general consciousness. Um, by, I guess, Young Thug and the Migos and people like that is Bando. The fuck is that? It's a trap house. <laughs> I mean, so like, like what's like what's the root term? Like, I mean, or they just call it that? I don't know. I just know they talk about trapping up the Bando. And at first, I thought maybe it was like maybe Band- it's a. I was thinking it was like maybe some type of Spanish thing, like maybe that's what they call it in the barrio, but mm-hmm. I really don't know. But now, I mean, trapping up the bando. Maybe. So like, why not just trap out of a trap house because it's called a trap house? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I don't know. I mean, well, I guess they probably had to like use another term to. See, that's the thing, that's the thing about hip hop. They be fucking shit up for like people who are actually still in the corners. <laughs> yeah, because they got to keep on making new terms because they keep getting popularized. Like, you yeah. know, when, um, you remember when J.R. Ryder came out with Squally? Yeah, oh, I remember that shit. That means the cops um, are coming, like, now you can't use that anymore. Oh, yeah, man, especially when um, it was popularized on Old Boy. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, wait, did, uh, did, did they take that out? Um, uh... They had, like, a different editor for Old Boy, right? And I think the radio edited that. Didn't they take out Squire? I think some of them might have. Because sometimes, I, like, I remember I used to, like, I used to see songs. It would say, like, it would say, like, dirty. And then it would say, like, clean edit. And then it would say, like, super clean radio edit. So maybe, like, on the super clean radio edit, they might have taken it out. Okay, because, um... Yeah, because, well, oh boy, I mean, I really only listened to, like, the mixtape versions of it, but then after a while, it was, it was so shitty. 
<laughs> that you had to like start trying to find clean versions, which meant that you had to find that you had to get the clean version. Yeah. But um, I don't like. I mean, bands though. I mean, like, I'm thinking maybe like bands. So you know, you get your bands from the the, the trap house, so you call it a band though. I don't know. Maybe, but um, um, have you heard uh Fetty Wap song Trap Queen? Uh, I mean, I've heard a certain, like, I think certain, like, snippets of it, but, I mean, my mother, when my mother talks about a song, then I know it must, something must be going on with it, man. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't, it, isn't it, like, taking some type of, like, cultural thing or something like that? I mean, you know, relevant. People, I mean, people would have said that it's, like, the song of the summer, and, like, um, we were doing, uh, uh, trap queen on a karaoke last night <laughs> and um you know i mean the hook is dope i like the hook a lot to be this cool the verses i mean you know they are what they are but it's funny sometimes when you see a song and um you see the lyrics and actually i think the whole thing is a double entendre for money well um that's what my girl brought to um my attention so then, you know, looking through the lyrics and everything, it's like, okay, that's kind of clever. Like, when you really break down the hook, it really sounds kind of simple and, you know, niggerish, but there actually is some type of double entendre to it. And everything that he says relates to money in a certain type of way, but you wouldn't necessarily get that off a, you know, a casual listen. Mm. But um, that's who 50 Cent was talking about, uh... I think when he was making fun of New York artists, well, he's actually from Jersey, but, you know, making fun of, I guess, tri-state artists, uh, talking about trapping out the bando. Okay. Because that's not, you know, it's not really what they say. But, I don't know. That's one of them joints where I like when other artists uh, fill in the verses <laughs> with their verses and just let the hook rock. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, well, Fiddy can't really talk because you know he because Tony Yayo seems as if he's like a big fan of the whole trap lifestyle, well, like, well, the the genre of it. Yeah, I mean, I th I, th I think Tony Yayo is ahead of his time in a lot of ways, and it's like you know sometimes you look at things that he does and then it kind of gets popularized or you start to hear about it, um, you know after he already did it because he was talking about trap stuff and um you know like a long time ago he was on Danny Brown first um I mean he was kind of on Lil B too pretty oh, much right yep. before he really blew up and he had um on, on the uh, on the Hawaiian Snow joint he had they had two trap joints they had Trapping um and Trap Ball they both had Lil B on it yeah I remember that Trap Ball that was my joint actually yeah boy, I'm tripping bitch uh, even tripping. Oh, oh, uh, that was that was pretty much out there, though. I mean, because that was with the uh, the Houston the Houston people. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you know, that, that's another thing too. Like Houston had like if, if I had like if I had to pick like a specific genre that had like a really concentrated like time frame or whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. it has to be like Houston. And like they had like that that weird you know what was Mike Jones from Houston right yeah yeah Mike Jones Paul Wall and then like all those other people that I can't that I can't think of their names but 
Oh, I mean, man. they. Would, I mean, I mean, Houston was definitely killing it for a while. I remember, I remember um, seeing who is Mike Jones stickers all around Mondom and, and just thinking, who is Mike Jones? <laughs> and see, that's like, the thing. I, I, I think, Mike, I think, if anything, you gotta look back at that era because of what Mike, like the promotion, the promotional tools that Mike Jones had at his disposal. Yeah, I mean, it was insane. I mean, even putting his phone number out there. Like, I used to know his phone number by heart. Yeah, that's right. And then, um, it's crazy because, like, you know, you know, in the dorm, um, there's this dude from Texas. Uh, well, he's from Houston, you know, Houston, Texas, and we used to call him Texas. I don't even know what his real name was. <laughs> and, um, I ain't gonna lie, he was a clown-ass nigga, but he, <laughs> he, um, you know, this was, like, around the time when Houston was really popping, and... So he was, um, one time he was letting me hear, um, like, all of the underground stuff from before they started, uh, you know, really popping off. Like, all these underground Paul Wall and Chameleon Air mixtapes from, like, the 90s and, um, you know, some old Mike Jones stuff and, you know, all that type of stuff. And them dudes, they actually correct. And it's like they kind yeah. of jumped down a little bit once they... um once they started, you know, getting famous and all that. But those dudes are some real spitters. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, uh, speaking of Chameleon there, he makes a, uh, he makes a, a weird appearance on a lot of Darkman's EP. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not it's not exactly a bad song either, so I was kind of surprised. I mean, he, he has a, a lot of Darkman has Chameleon there and uh, Trick Trick. And I think some other person whose name I can't think of right now, but um, I mean, yeah, the millionaire he, he can spit. I mean, I think that um, and see, I, I don't know how how old this song was, but because I think it was like one of Black Dog Man's like Gangsta Grills mixtape songs or whatever like that. And I don't know how old it is, but um, of course, the millionaire talks about writing dirty on it. Mm. And I feel like whenever he whenever he has some type of verse from me from him, he, he talks about riding somewhere, riding riding dirty eventually. <laughs> I remember listening to that album though, um, and that album was dope. But the one that he had after it was kind of whack. And he even said it, and it had something to do with how once the Riding Dirty popped off so big, um, you know, the label just wanted songs like that. But that song was a huge. I mean, that song was a huge national hit. Like they played that on the pop stations. I remember. I think it broke some type of ringtone record at one point. And I appreciated it because it's crazy how relevant that uh, song is now today. Um, but, you know, when you really listen to it, it's a real song, you know? I mean, yeah, but no one really cared about... I don't think anyone cared about that message in those, in those days. <laughs> and I think that's the thing about it. Yeah, I, I, I guess... I guess that was, uh, especially around those days, I was getting pulled over left and right, so I really felt that song. Oh, yes. I mean, I mean, I, I, I understand, but, I mean, well, I guess between that and, I mean, because, I mean, I think people tried to capitalize off of Rotten Dirty in so many ways. Between just Chameleonaire being, you know, who he was and then coming out with that bullshit album, and then you have um, Crazy Bone, who became relevant out of nowhere. To the point that they put, they throw him on the uh, the uh, the Biggie duets thing. 
um, album. And then the single has Crazy Bone on it. He's pretty much doing the same cadence that he did on Riding Dirty. Yeah, I mean, the um, I guess I guess the Crazy Bone thing did kind of make sense for the Biggie joint though, because they did have a song together. I mean, yeah, but I mean, but of all of all people on earth, why would you decide to be Crazy Bone? If it was, was Rotten Dirty, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't get Crazy Bone. Maybe, yeah, probably. I mean, yeah, yeah, he was hot at the time, and they did put, like, a whole bunch of, I guess, you know, popping type of artists on there. But I don't, I don't know. I guess that was one of the ones, that was one of the songs that, you know, I think people generally had l- less of a complaint with from the album because, I mean, John Rule was on that album, I think. Nelly was on that album. You know, there's a whole <laughs> bunch of people that, when you think of Biggie, these uh, names don't come to mind. Right. But, you know, at least Crazy Bone had a um, had a song with Biggie. Well, that's true. And and speaking of Riding Dirty, I, I forgot that UGK had an album called Riding Dirty. Yeah. So, I mean, that song, I guess, you know, that song was kind of a tribute to, uh, to that, that, um, that album. I'm trying to think, um, was it Crazy Bone? It was one of the Bone Thugs who was in the, maybe it was Lazy Bone. One of the Bone Thugs was in the news recently for saving somebody's life. Oh, yeah, I think that was, uh, Lazy Bone. Okay. I think. Let's see. Yeah, it says, it was something crazy. I, like, I read, like, part of the headline. Yeah, okay, it was Lazy Bone. He, uh helped some driver who was in diabetic shock. Apparently, he went up to him and said, you know who I am? I'm from Bone Thugs. And the guy was, um... <laughs> and the guy just, like, snapped out of it. What? Okay. okay, no, that's not what happened. He said he, he, he said he ran over there and started feeding them apples and oranges and, and begging him to eat it. He what the fuck did he get... What the fuck did apples and oranges... <laughs> I don't know. Oh, man. It says, it says um, rapper Stephen Lazybone House of the Grammy Award winning group Bone Thugs and Harmony was driving to his concert in Riverton on Saturday when he saw a car swerving across the ro- uh, roadway towards him. The car spun to a stop in front of the rapper's vehicle. Lazybone told KCWY TV that he rushed to the man and offered him the fruit to help his blood sugar. What fruit? Um, offered him the fruit to um, help his blood sugar while they waited on paramedics. I ran over there and started feeding him the apples and oranges, begging him to eat it. He was scared for the man and was glad he could help. And his new album, by the way, is called Perfect Timing. Oh, of course it is. (laughs) You you know, like... That's the thing. I think like the like the second person out of Bone Thugs that I do like it is it is Lazy Bone, and I think it's it's probably because he's more of a character. He's kind of like a character too, kind of like how Lazy Bone, I mean Lazy Bone, Busy Bone is, and yeah. that um he kind of changes in himself too. And so, um, remember? Do you remember when he like made like this kind of random emer- reemergence or whatever like that in like the early two thousands? And he was on Rap City, and he changed his name to L to L Burner. Yeah, 
Yep, yep, Alberta. Yeah, and um, I, I just I vaguely remember, but like I said, like Rap City, man, it was it was a classic because it had actual rappers that came on there, and it was like really. I mean, it was really authentic because, like, he was really adamant from what I can re- from what I can remember about him not being called Lazy Bone anymore, and he was going to be called El Burner. And I'm pretty sure that they probably had some type of falling out, or whatever, like they always do every two yeah. years or so. And um, it was it was called Thug by Nature, and I don't think I really I don't think I ever listened to it though. But I think it had decent names. I mean, decent uh, reviews though. But of course, he came out with it around the same time as Busy Bone came out with the gift. Yeah, that was around that time when, you know, music was hard for me to get. And it was one of those albums I would always see the advertisement for. But, you know, it was out of my uh, ability to even hear anything from it. And, you know, what's, uh, what's interesting is, um, well, I, mean, I guess it's not really interesting, but uh, he came out with another album, Lazy Bone. Um through Mold Thugs and Sickness, Sickness Records. So I'm assuming Sickness Sickness Records has to be the same as Sickness.net. I would imagine so. <laughs> but so you know, we we need to we we need to try to find these Sickness people. Like, who are they? Because the thing is, they they really blessed us with like all these weird B side albums from our favorite artists. <laughs> Yo, I mean, like, you know, they came out with all that Freeway and Beanie Siegel stuff, and I even think they came out with a Freeway and Beanie Siegel album. Like, that shit was dope. Like, I think they even might have come out with, like, a Young Chris joint, too. Yeah, I think they did. I think that was, like, um, an EP, though. Yeah, man, like, oh, and then, um, don't forget the, uh, um, they came out with the Mob Deep one too. Oh yeah. I think that was called the Safest Cracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they mostly put out stuff from the Bay Area though, because I'm on their website right now, and they have um, I'm I'm at the Six Shop, and they have clothing apparel, DVDs, compact discs, and digital albums. And a lot of this is a whole bunch of people I've never heard of. Oh, they got a um, see an album with Spider Loke and somebody named J Love called Crip C R I P. Hmm. I think they they mostly put out like gangster music. I think that's their whole thing. Well, I think oh yeah, they have um, I'm on that Twitter account. Source for gangster rap. Oh, there you go. Has some guy named Young Brazy. Show you how. Moji, I wonder what. Uh, Sea Money, Jurassic World. Whatever that is. I see they Remember, got. Remember, they got a Tiny Dude. You uh, ever heard of him? Tiny Dude. Tiny Dude. D O O. No. He's the guy who um. He got charged for murder based off of his lyrics. And, mm-hmm. uh, and eventually the case was dropped and everything like that, but it was a big thing. And I remember Young Turks, they had, they've been following the story, um, talking about, you know, free speech and all that other type of stuff. But when you really look at the case, you can tell that he really had nothing to do with the, um, 
with the trial, and they were comparing him to, um, you remember, uh, what's his name, uh, Rod Diggs? Uh, vaguely. Yeah, he was with the murder team. Uh-huh. And, um, that was, uh, that was Waka Flocka, Uncle Murder, and Rod Diggs. And, um, you know, Rod Diggs, he was recently convicted and sentenced to, like, a whole bunch of life sentences and stuff for, um, various murders and things like that. And so, and I think they might have used his lyrics, um, against him as well. And, um, you know, he, you know, they're trying to get that appealed and all that. But, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was sentenced to 12 terms of life in prison plus 105 years. God damn. Prosecutors at the trial used Her- Heron's uh, gangster rap videos in which he boasts about belonging to the infamous Blood Street Gang, firing weapons and dealing drugs to argue the lyrics documented his crimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know, it's it's like, you know, you got the whole free speech thing and all that, but, I mean, this guy, he was part of the murder team. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you just gotta be, I guess you gotta be a bit smarter, man. I don't know. But, um, I mean, I, I don't, I think it would be rather interesting to try to get these people on if we possibly can. Yeah, oh yeah, sickness.net. I mean, yeah, I mean, cause you never really, I mean, who, who really knows, like, who, who runs it unless there is some, some type of actual, um, interview with the people behind it. You know, it'll be yeah. funny, like if um, if like the, if there's only one person, like how it how it is with Smack, and his name is Sickness, or her name is or her name is Sickness. <laughs> yeah, matter of fact, we should um, yeah, send out an email and see uh, see if we can get an interview popping or something like that, because that would be really interesting. Yeah, um. And then I mean, but even like you know how like how they how do they get this material because um. Whenever you like find like these weird albums like this, there's always some type of like backlash. So like when it was announced that DMX had that new album coming out, and then he quickly came out and said that 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 wasn't that wasn't him. Yeah, yeah, you know uh, that's a good point because um, I think with DMX, I think a lot of times what happens is they find these deals and then they have like some type of unreleased material that they don't own. And then whoever owns it can kind of do whatever they want with it because you remember um, before Game's first album, some um, somebody in Cali like owned the rights to all this unreleased Game stuff, and so they put out a Game album around the time or like just before Game's official debut came out, and they made a whole bunch of money. And I think they might have come out with like another album afterwards, and then they might have come out with an album around the same time as his second album. Mm, yeah, I vaguely remember that, but um, I'm pretty sure it was, it was probably like around the, it's the same thing that happened with uh, 50 Cent when he came out when they uh when whoever came out with the guess who's back. I think he did that on purpose though. I think oh well, he, he probably teamed up with somebody to um do that. 
Well, it must have worked because uh, I remember my mother, she came to the door with that. She said, I got 50 cents album. And I'm like, that's not his album. <laughs> I, I looked right at the track list and I said, happy, happy songs I already have. <laughs> yeah. But, but, I mean, from um, Power on the Dollar on there, too, which um, one of my favorite 50 Cent songs ever is that joint he had with Bun B. I mean, did they did they ever like re-release Power of the Dollar? I mean, you would think Columbia would just do it. They never they never released it in the first place, and I'm sure Fifty Cent has some type of um, you know, clout now to where he could probably get that shut down. I mean, well, yeah, now, but like, I mean, but if you were like, if he was, if you knew he was coming out with you know Fifty, I mean, uh, with uh, Gilbert Shadot trying. You would think they would hurry up and try to, like, you know, re-release, you know, all the shit that they do have that they, that they own. Yeah. Unless, unless, well, I mean, that was, like, a big deal, though. I mean, like, a, a million, one million dollar deal, and then you guys own record labels. So I'm pretty sure they probably talked to, I don't know, Jimmy Iovine or Eminem and Dr. Dre and said some shit about, hey, I don't want that coming out. And they probably made some type of deal. So maybe he owns it. Yeah, maybe, like, buying him, because usually, well, actually, no, because he got dropped. Because I know, like, you know, a lot of times when artists get out their contract, it's because somebody bought them out. And, you know, maybe, like, the masters or rights to certain music might be part of that deal. But, yeah, 50, he got dropped from the label. Maybe there's some type of stipulation to where if you get dropped, then, um, then, uh, you know, they can't do something, you know, they can't use the material however they want to any type of way. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, because um, if you look at Q-Tip, and, you know, Q-Tip, he was on, uh, what was it, like, Violator and, what, Columbia, whatever um, label um, the black guy was on, um, not Kevin Lyles, the other guy, L.A. Reid, mm. when he did come all the abstract and how pretty much it was just, it was just shelved, and I, I don't think they could really do anything with it, but eventually someone bought the Masters back, um for Q-Tip for his birthday or something like that I read somewhere not sure if that's true though and that's how he pretty much that's how he was supposed to be that's how he came he was able to come out with it uh, I, know, I think um, he did the wrong way though did you how you said what I mean I really think he, he did it the wrong way like why would you like instantly come out with come all the abstract right after you come out with like you know with an actual album I mean he probably he seems like somebody who doesn't really work on music that much. Like, that album was, you know, it seemed like he put a lot into that album over a long period of time. So it's like... Well, yeah. Well, it was old. I mean, a lot of shit was old. Yeah. Actually. Like, yeah, like, um, like uh, Johnny's Dead, that shit is so old because, you know, there's like another unreleased album that can't, that, I can't think of the name of it. But it was after... Yeah, nah, I used, to, I used to have it, but I don't have it anymore. And all, like, but there's even, like, a whole bunch of, like, other shit that's on there that that's never come out. I'm trying to think. Do I have it? Because I feel like I got it from you. But, um, I don't know. You know, he's one of those enigmas in hip-hop to where, you know, who knows when he's going to come out again with a proper album, if he ever does. But I mean, I'm yeah, sure they want to have his credits on uh, Kanye West's new album. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. I mean, I don't know. I mean, but he comes out with good shit, though. I give it to him. Yeah, 
I think another situation is um, with Saigon with the greatest story never told. Mm. And um, I know Sway was his manager, and somehow he was able to work out some deal to get off the label and um, and keep his masters. But I think he's on some type of payment plan to them. I'm like, damn, they got this nigga on some school loan type shit. Just to, you know, try to be free with your music that you created. But I guess that's all part of the game. I mean, well, I guess he can, I mean, maybe at that time he was able to, uh, he was good off of the uh, entourage money, maybe. Yeah. yeah. But then I don't know, man. Like, I mean, when he was at FYE at what, Columbia Mall or what, whatever it was, mm-hmm. that was so random to me. <laughs> I mean, you got you to gotta get it how you live. I mean, but I, mean, but I, I guess they, they base it around, but I mean, I'm sure they base it around album sales and where his album was really selling and, and where that place was, wherever it was, I'm pretty sure a whole bunch of hipstery white people probably bought it. <laughs> That's true. Okay, I see the, um, I see the album. Was it called Abstract Innovations? Maybe, I think so, maybe. Yeah, I have it. It has a whole bunch of, um, Q-tip stuff. Uh, that's sexy featuring Andre 3000. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have to um send this to. Oh well, yeah, Q-tip. Um, you know, I'm. It's weird because I guess he's like an integral part of good music. I'm just wondering when he's going to drop something. But um, you know, there's rumors. There's all kind of rumors that's going on right now. Um. There's rumors that Kanye West is about to drop an album any day now. Um, and it's rumored that he's dis- that he's actually distancing himself from Tidal and that he signed up with Apple and his album is going to be released with the um with the uh, re- uh relaunch of Beats Music which is going to be called Apple Music. So hmm I don't know what's up with that. I know he's been real cool with Dame Dash recently and all of that. So is he distancing, uh, distancing himself from Jay Z and all that? I don't know, but um, that's one of the rumors. I don't know. This Memorial Day weekend, it's all these rumors that are going around. Like it was rumored that a new Jay Z and Nicki Minaj track was supposed to debut on Title today, which is Memorial Day, but um, I don't see that that happened yet. Um, what kind of who cares? Hey man, the internet is, is uh going crazy with these right now. Um, Jay Z and Beyonce are supposedly going to drop their joint album any day now through Title. Uh, same thing with with our Rihanna. And the interesting thing about Rihanna is um, the rumors are that you know even though she's debuted these three singles, which you know some of them are kind of poppy and stuff like that. Um, this new album is supposed to be not necessarily a dancehall album, but very dancehall oriented with like a lot of reggae artists and stuff like that. So, so pretty much she's going back to her original self after all these years. Yeah, I guess now she can do it. <laughs> I'm going to home. Well, let's not say that because look what happened to Nicki Minaj and her, and her last album. Has it, has it even gone platinum yet? And, and the thing about that, like, um, those songs that she came out with, like that, all those street songs. Oh yeah, 
that she had. They were actually well. I, really, I didn't listen to all of them, but some of them I kind of listened to. But like the like the child rack joint. That shit was with, um, with Lil Hurt. Yeah, like Lil Hurt killed it. I, I gotta give it to him. That was like one of like the best verses I've heard from like I guess one like the new rappers out here in a minute. Because um, you know I listen to, like the Chance the Rapper, you know those type of Chicago people. I, I can't really get with it, but Lil Herb, he could he killed it. I mean, it, it was just violent and on. It was on beat and clear, <laughs> like. Like he he clearly said all of the violent things that he was going to do to you in but a lyrical if, fashion. Oh, okay, all right. So, all right, so, so when you so so when you say clear, you mean lyrically? You don't mean like quality wise. I mean, I mean it in every sense of the word. Like just diction, the way he said his words, the way it was separated, the way he sounded on it, lyrically, just everything. Like. Like him compared to like a Chief Keef or something like that, when it's just a whole bunch of just like mush mouth noise and you don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Like, well, see, and I think that's why maybe I, I never got on to Waka Flocka because if you listen to, I guess, like the real Waka Flocka, you know, the, the Waka Flocka Myers joints, yeah. and they all sound like shit. And when I hear it, I mean, all right, put it like this. I mean, I listen to some crazy weird, you know, rock bands that do like lo-fi type shit. But his stuff sounds like that, but it's not supposed to. And so I just hear, uh, I just hear, I just hear an angry black man just yelling about something, <laughs> <laughs> and I have no idea what it is. Well, the one thing about Waka Flocka's album, at least uh, Flockavelli, is that shit was a lot clearer than the mixtapes, like. There's a huge difference between a Waka Flocka mixtape and then that album. Like, you know, the joint was banging and it was on point, and it's a personal classic for me. <laughs> I mean, well, see, well, I, I do say that, but then, you know, going to Gucci Man, all of his bird prints have sounded like shit. And then even, like, I think he had one when he was uh, rapping in jail, but the beat was just so hard that I just couldn't deny it. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I could deny the lyrics, but the beat was hard. I mean, it's the same conversation that we had about um about Max B and all that. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true, man. But I mean, but I I must say that um the uh, uh trying to go home joint. Mm. I was really happy when it got it got cleaned up a little bit and they put Lloyd, Lloyd Banks on it. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Um, I'm I'm real sad about that Max B album because I really enjoyed it. Even though it was um, like a lot of it was kind of old songs, but they were kind of updated and you know mixed down a little bit better and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you know that Max B album, I can't even think of what it's called right now, but that was really something that you could uh, ride to. Um, that was the one that came out on uh, the Amalgram, right? Yeah, I think uh, yeah yeah I'm Amalgram Digital. Uh, Vigilante season, that's what it was called. Oh, damn. Yeah, I don't, I think, I don't think I, I, I know I had it. I, maybe I listened to it once, but I don't know. I think, if I, if I recall, he was too clean on it, I think. And I, I don't mean quality-wise. I mean, you know, like, you know how he does. He, he has a slur. You know, he made it start talking out of nowhere, and then he just start singing. Like, kind of like how he did on, like, the freestyle um, over the phone. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, that's the th- he he kind of reminds me of ODB, but like with way more, but like with the Harlem swag, I guess you can say. Mm. 
he does whatever he wants, but the shit just be, it just sounds kind of good. I mean, like, I was kind of disappointed in, in that, uh, the jail freestyle because, um, I thought, and I, I think Prodigy kind of messed it up, like, messed it up for me. Like, whenever I think of a jail freestyle now, I think it's going to be this big thing where it's, like, a really good beat, and they, and somehow, some way, they, they, like, really properly mix the person's vocals down through the phone, like they did with Prodigy. Yeah. Um, and it's just him just, I mean, it, it was okay. I mean, if it was over a beat and like the way he was, you know, um, you know, harmonizing, it would, it would sound ill, but I wasn't really pressed to hear that. Yeah, 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 I know what you mean. I was like, man, I should probably like chop this up and maybe see if I can fit it to a beat or something like that. Somebody has to do it. But I mean, but like, that, you know. I mean, like, I, I, I think that that Prodigy song should probably go down history because there really hasn't been a lot of songs like that. They made an actual song out of this man's jail vocals. Yeah, he had ad-libs on it and everything. Yeah. Now, I mean, he, maybe he has a whole bunch of clout that he can hold the phone up like that, or maybe they just did it in, in bits and pieces. I don't know, but, you know, that's one of them joints that I don't think anybody remembers, and I forgot about it until you just brought it up. Man, I, you know, I always think about that song because, like, I remember when I listened, because, you know, I thought it was going to be, like, a Magic B type of thing. And they say, you know, Prodigy drops a, like, a, they say Prodigy drops a freestyle or some shit like that on um, ex, ex, um Exclusive Zone. And I'm like, all right, I'm listening to this shit real quick. And it's this fucking banging beat from Sid Rome's. And he's rapping. He has he has a he has an intro. Who the fuck has an intro <laughs> to to a song that they do from jail? Who has time for that? Prodigy <laughs> does, I guess. <laughs> but um, but that, I, you know, it, I guess going back to like Gucci Mane and um, it's funny. I was listening to some rapper recently. I forgot who it was. But they said Gucci Man hit him up from jail talking about, um, you know, can he get on a feature? And I'm just like, you know, it does seem that Gucci Man is recording from jail some type of way, but they're trying to keep it under wraps some type of way. But it's like, how are these people doing this? Or even like um, Vibes Cartel. I don't know if you've been keeping up, but Vibes Cartel has been releasing a slew of records from jail. And um, I was listening to a uh, Movado interview, and they asked him about vibes, and he was talking about, you know, how they're cool now and everything, and, you know, they're on, on a um, new collaboration together, and they asked him, um, you know, how is he recording from jail or something like that, and I think Movado said something about, I don't know, I mean, you know, he got his producers, you got to ask him about that, but he can't really talk about it, <laughs> so... I mean, well, see, but that was kind of stupid. I mean, well, why would he even, like, even say something like that? Yeah, I mean, I think he said it more cryptically than what I said it, but, you know, you can kind of get the gist of what he was trying to say. But, you know, I guess maybe it's a little bit different in Jamaica and, you know, him being as, as big as he is over there because, you know, they had to shut down the streets when they, um, I think they had to shut down a lot of the streets and everything before they read the verdict because they knew that, if it went the wrong way, then they, you know it's probably gonna be some type of riot or something like that, and it was. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember you were telling me that. Yeah. But um, going, I think going back to Rihanna though, um, what you told me, it reminds me of what um, you were telling me. I think you said uh, Major Lazer said or Diplo or whoever it was, 
and it was talking about how music overall is is is, is going more, I guess, is getting more more of a world vibe or like more of a dancehall vibe overall. Yeah. So, so the next step is is going to be from EDM to I guess dancehall type stuff. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting the um the uh, EDM and um and and, and dancehall type of collaborations, not even just dancehall, but I guess just uh, African diaspora type music in general. Because like when you look at soca music and the EDM and soca, like when you look at Bungie Garland, um, you remember the song that he had? Uh, well, you know all the big songs that he had was it. Probably like last year was two years ago now, when he had um, "Ready for the Road" and "Truck on the Road" and all that other type of stuff, and how um, you know it, it was soca, but it was kind of like dark with these big booming beats and very EDM-ish. And then you look at um, Major Lazer and what they're doing. I think they just dropped some type of new project, and like there's this Chronics record on there, but then it has this EDM breakdown in the middle and everything, and um, you know, it's just real interesting. And then you look at um, the, uh, I guess, Azanto music out of Nigeria, and that's having kind of like an EDM-ish type of vibe too with um, people like Wizkid and Ice Prince and um, DeBunge and all of them. Yeah, I, I need to um, get on to, to Wizkid because um, I still I still have his album, but um, I'm, I'll be honest. One of the main reasons why I haven't listened to it is because they're um, that it's not MP3, <laughs> and sometimes that will, that will fuck me up in the game. Like I will not listen to it because I don't feel like dealing with Windows Media Player. Mm-hmm. And then you know, and usually you know, I actually I sit down and I convert them, but I don't feel like doing that right now. But um, but yeah, but I mean, but like all these songs, are they like getting any type of relevance? I guess. In the Western world, for lack of a better term, um, some of them are like you know Bungie Garland. He was real big. He was on, you know all on Hot ninety seven and everything with his um his run, and then um Ice Prince. Uh, I think it's the Ice Prince from Nigeria. He he was on uh, the Breakfast Club recently, and he was talking about how he's real cool with Meek Mill when they did a bunch of songs, and um. Wale, he's been working with like a lot of Nigerian artists and stuff like that, and I guess you know bringing them over here. So I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard in America for a lot of um, African and Caribbean artists to kind of break, but um, you know I wouldn't be surprised if in the next ten years or so you start seeing a lot more of that, um, especially you know if because uh, you know all it takes is one like. You know, Sean Paul is probably the most successful dancehall artist in America. And, I mean, well, see, but that's the thing. I mean, but, like, even with Sean Paul, it's kind of weird, though. Um, because, like, because like a lot, because, like, what you're saying, I kind of base it off of the success of, I guess, like, you know, if it has success over in the U.K. and United States and stuff like that, for it to, I guess, to really, like, I guess, for lack of a better term, to catch on, although we do know that, in the majority of the world, most likely these songs are popping off. Yeah. But, but like, um, because all right, when whenever when, it, it's interesting how EDM has become like a kind of like a big thing now. Because remember, at one point, 
for example, when Bob Marley came around, they had to like tone his stuff down over reggae period, like in the UK, because it was too bassy. Because you know uh, the majority of the world, the Western world, they didn't like a whole bunch of bass, and now yeah. bass is mean, like a big thing. And so maybe through EDM, we will see like this a uh, emergence of all like a different you know I guess world artists because a lot of the rest of the world they like bass. <laughs> it's in, but um, Sean, like Sean Paul, though, you look at him, the same thing, like the same as Bob Marley. He was light skinned, so of course he could. It was easier for him to cross over than I guess like a WizKid superstar and Ice Prince because I believe he's dark skinned too, right? Yeah, 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 man. I mean, yeah, you know, you need like a, a nice little light skinned boy like a Bob Marley. <laughs> That's interesting too because like, oh damn, man, because like, like, like now that you think about it. A lot of time when a dancehall artist does pop off over here, they only had like like they might be real big in the islands and overseas and uh, other countries, but they might only have one hit here, or like 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 one hit that's in rotation here that's not like you know on like a mix show or something like that. So like you look at somebody like Wayne Wonder, he only had that one song. Um, he's dark skinned. Um, even Movado, you know, he's he's making it work through the rap channels with, you know, We The Best and all that. But, you know, really the song that people really know him for is I'm So Special, which was on the same rhythm as um, the, the uh, Sarani joint. Um, mm. I think that has something to do with it. But even Sarani, he got a lot, like a lot of big joints, but that was the only song that popped off. And I think maybe the only, the only dark-skinned... Dude who really was popping more than one track that I can think of is Elephant Man. I mean, what? I mean, he had to dress yeah. up in you know, all different type of colors and shit. And, yeah, I mean, but, I, but he had to dance around a lot. He had to dance around like a jigaboo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he he just couldn't pull that shit off. You know, just like you know, I guess like standing in the corner like Mavado or whatever like that. <laughs> but like, like for example, like look, like Gully Bob is the man right now. Yeah. This nigga is popping off. Bring his ass over here. No one would, that people will laugh at him. They probably really think that he he needs to be in the trash can somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's like, and it's crazy because like I'm trying to think of anybody from, because like the only dudes who really make any type of noise, you know, for more than one record are the people who are around in the '90s. Like a Beanie Man might drop a record or or something like that. Um, but even him, um, he had the record uh, with uh, Janet Jackson, right? Yeah, I think he did. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, but shit. I mean, look at Michael Jackson. Shit. So, um, all right. So, with uh, Vibes Cartel, do you think? that if he didn't have his legal problems after his uh, transformation, I guess you would call it, <laughs> do you think that um, that he was poised to, to, to pop off with a big hit stateside? Oh, man, that's a really good question. Because he he's really grimy and underground and stuff like that. Like, his records aren't, I don't know, like, you know, Movado kind of brought in, like, this new wave of dancehall in 2005, and um, it really was brought to my attention um, in one of his interviews because he said, you know, everybody after him, they sounded like Movado, and, you know, he really brought that 
sing-songy type of thing, but still kept it grimy. And, and you know, that's kind of why he was my favorite back then when he came up with, What Damn I Do, What Damn I Try, and then, you know, all them type of records that he had popping off right there. And then mm-hmm. he kind of ushered in this new sound. But it's really Vibes Cartel who was, like, the champion, because I guess he's, like, the underground champ or whatever. And, you know, a lot of people... Uh, I don't know, like, you know, a lot of people kind of fell off of him once he bleached his skin, but then a lot of people didn't. And then now that he's oppressed by the man, everybody's on his side now regardless. So, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at him, and... I don't know, man. It, like... Alright, this is the thing. Like, if I saw him walking down the street... Because apparently it looks like he didn't like put anything on his lips. <laughs> I'm I, I, I'm trying to figure this out because I, I see like I, I have like a picture up right now. It's like him before he you know put like before and after picture. And I don't know if he just forgot to put some lipsticks on or what or what. But I don't, he he looks like a ghost for real. It looks like he should be he should be like one of Styles P makes to you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he looks fucking crazy. Like, <laughs> he he really looks scary. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he doesn't. It's not natural, so yeah. I don't. I don't think so because then the whole thing about him bleaching himself, it would have gotten over into liberal America, and then would have been this big thing. And then even if he did go through, you know, he he went through all of this to try to become more more popular. But then the liberal media isn't going to take him seriously because they want to say something about you should be yourself because we would we would have accepted you the way you were in the first place. But then, of course, in the real world, of course they wouldn't. They wouldn't give a shit about him. But the thing is, so, um, I think I think that that would come out and it would make him a bigger star. And I think that black people in America would might start bleaching too. I mean, I think, well, I, like, 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 I think that he, he, he could, I think he could have made that a trend here. I don't think so, because, I mean, you know, we, we are talking about dance hall and reggae. You know, we, yeah. we, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about African Americans. They want to hear that EM, that trap music. They want to hear that, you know, that, 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 that good old 4-4, four, four, boom, boom, boom in the club. Mm-hmm. They don't really be hearing, no, you know, like, like what my stepfather always say, you know, that that that, that Jamaican music. <laughs> <laughs> they won't be hearing that shit every five minutes. That's true. That's true. So, I guess I don't know. You know, I guess maybe one day, if a if an American rapper decides to do that, then then uh, I definitely think it could become a trend. But yeah, I don't know. You, you know, sometimes I forget that. You know, my tastes are a little bit more varied than the uh, average American consumer. And so, like, even if somebody hears a Movado song or a Vibes Cartel song, they'll just probably follow the song and not know who did it. I mean, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, you got to think about it. I mean, look at, like, I guess, like, the biggest... Well, outside of Elephant Man, because he was just like kind of like a he he always reminded me of the like the, that guy from the, the Apollo, the Sandman. Kind of <laughs> but then outside of that, we had Bob Marley, who we know who crossed over. Um, Shaggy, 
and uh, Sean Paul. These are like three main ones. Yeah, yeah. And Sean Paul, I mean, he 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 had an amazing run. I mean, he had he had uh, gave me the light. He had the joint get busy on the Diwali rhythm. He had that one joint with Sasha, which I remember seeing on the box for MTV2 all the time. All the time, yeah. We know her. And then he had the record with Beyonce, which was huge. And then there was that controversy of Jay-Z not wanting um, him to perform that with her at that award show or something like that because they were a little bit too close. I mean, it makes sense. Well, you know, and come to think, speaking of Beyonce, it, I mean... You know what? I think I could I could probably see like this like like bleaching kind of becoming maybe like a maybe not like a big trend but maybe like a I don't know, like a kind of like a counterculture in a way mm-hmm. because I remember when I was in Hollywood and you see this I mean it's this gargantuan you know um, excuse me billboard of Beyonce and her skin is it, it is really is noticeable they really lighten her skin. I mean, like, and he, he look at Beyonce. I mean, you know, she's kind of, she's not really even labeled as a black as a black woman. Like, I remember like like the L'Oreal commercial. You know, she's talking about all like her whole entire heritage. She's Indian. She's French. She, you know, all this other type of shit. She can't be black though. I didn't even know that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, shit just pissed me off. Like, it's like a L'Oreal commercial, and. I don't I don't know why, but for, uh, she's like it's just her standing there, and she's like yeah, I mean, and she's like she starts twirling around or something like that, and all these different weird close ups and slow downs with like the camera angles, and you see like the word like the word French popping up out of nowhere from my mouth and shit or whatever like that, or something coming from like a word coming from her back. <laughs> but it was kind of weird, yeah. Well, one thing that I do give Rihanna her props for, um, I remember some magazine. That came out. It's 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 always interesting, you know, what they do with the photo editing and stuff like that. Because there's one magazine color uh, cover that she's on, and it might be like some magazine over in France, in our France somewhere, and they had her looking like really dark skinned, and um, there's a whole lot of headlines that come out like she's always listed as like the first black model for I think Dior and something else like that, and so they really put the black in there. And it's funny because I was watching some interview with her where she was talking about how when she was younger, you know, she was so light-skinned. Um, you know, when she was in school over in Barbados, she would get teased because they would say she was white, and they called her white girl. Mm. So it's just real interesting. I don't know. This whole colorism thing is just it's like, damn, when, when, if ever, are we uh, going to get past that as a people? I mean, yeah, I mean, shit, Bob Marley, he, I mean, he was tormented because he was light-skinned. People make fun of him, too, so that's what happens. I mean, I guess they, they really, they, they see, I mean, I don't, like, I mean, even, like, that documentary, like, the, um, the, like, the big one that's on Netflix, I think oh, it's yeah, two of them, but, um, yeah, well, apparently, um, I, I'm not sure if it was uh, Chris Black who came out, Blackwell or Chris Black, whatever his name is, the big producer. But um, it's so funny, his name is like, it has Black in it. But um, I think it was like the, uh, the the other woman who was involved with the Island Records. And she said that Peter Tosh had 
every little he had the same type of credentials and you know talent that Bob Marley had, but they just couldn't push him because he was too dark. Mm. And she, 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 she came straight out and said that. Mm. And I mean, he, he is a pretty dark dude. But I mean, you were just, I mean, it's just kind of like chilling to hear someone would like just come out and say, say that shit. Yeah, and I guess from that era, um, it's crazy because, you know, the two biggest, you know, reggae artists that people would know are Bob Marley and Peter Tosh, and a lot of people don't know who Peter Tosh is. I mean, yeah, but, you know, the funny thing is, he's the um, the first person um, to win the uh, Grammy Award for Best Reggae Album. Oh, damn. Yeah, because um, he passed away, and he had to be nominated, so, of course, I guess they decided to give it to him. And I think Bob Marley eventually won for Legend when they came out with the album after he died or whatever. Um, but yeah, that was kind of, kind of weird. I, I think Bunny Whaler, I think he eventually won one too. Yeah, but yeah. But yeah, let's, um, let's wrap this segment real quick, maybe come back, um, because we've been talking your ears off for a minute. Shout out to, uh, all of my, uh, dark skin and my light skin Nubian princesses and queens out there. <laughs> uh, all my uh, all my mixed <laughs> Nubian queens, um, mulattoes, octoroons, quadroons. Yep, all of that uh, high high yeller, <laughs> high yeller <laughs> negresses. <laughs> oh, um, all of that. So yeah, Channel Ten Podcast dot com log on. We'll be back at you. Feeling this here. Yeah, son, you can feel it, man. Roll it up, son. You gotta just do it, yeah, yo. Man. Yo, roll it up, man. It's a different again. channel, son. Roll it up, on, man. Roll it up, watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. It's all good. Roll it up, all good, baby, in every hood, Bridge. son. Roll it up, yeah. CNN. Network Channel 10, it's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo, crime late. Cast more beef than Scarface. CNN, Network Channel 10, it's on again. Street niggas, it's grown men. Bold face, get in your face. Stay in place, yo, crime late. Cast more